Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your robotic perfect host, Javi. <laughs> and uh, this week we are doing our first horror film of 2021. I mean, the year is only like, what, three weeks? Three weeks in? We're so. using, yeah, that's true. It's only three weeks <laughs> We're also using the term horror very loosely. I I very much think this is a horror movie. I mean, I wasn't afraid. In the and same if, way. And if it doesn't affect me, clearly it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is the 1975 movie, The Stepford Wives. Um, it's based on a novel of the same name by writer Ira Levin. Never who, read it. No, but we did review another movie that was... Uh, inspired by his works and that was rosemary's baby oh i really thought it was gonna be black christmas <laughs> i was kind of hoping it would have been black christmas which really like made me curious because i'm like wow this guy r11 like what kind of like the fact that both of his like i think these are maybe two of the most famous things uh that he's done uh it's yeah it's definitely did he decide to be a horror writer when he was growing up? I don't know. He's <laughs> one of those guys that I guess it's who knows what other projects he had, but it's gonna be like he's always gonna be known as like the guy who did two of the most influential like horror movies in the world, in I guess cinematic history. One, mm-hmm. I think, one eclipsing the other because I mean, say what you will about Stepford Wives. It's like at the end of the day, Rosemary's Baby like is still a very poignant story. <laughs> well, Rosemary's Baby is done by, I mean, as unfortunate as his, uh, <laughs> as the life of Roman Polanski is after he does that movie. It, it, he is a much higher class of director than the guy who did this movie, who Brian Forbes. I don't really know much of anything else that he's done. Um, and it seems like this is kind of like the most recent movie he ever does, I think. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, it's not like I think that anything that, well, I guess he made movies till 89. So there we go. <laughs> but still nothing that he, nothing that he has in his, uh, filmography is anything that I'm particularly, uh, familiar with. So. Yeah, so we're definitely right now, and I'm like, yeah, no, nah. yeah, we're definitely <laughs> seeing a lower class filmmaker kind of do this, right? Ooh, I'm sorry, <laughs> suck it. it is. I mean, Rosemary's Baby actually had uh, one of the like, you know, one of the actresses went on to win an Academy Award. It is a, it is a movie that's much more favorably remembered. But <clears throat> there is one person. Uh, that's important to point out uh, does have an affinity for this movie mm-hmm. and uh, that is Jordan Peele so if you watch the 2017 movie Get Out uh, Jordan Peele was very clear that the two inspirations for those movies were Rosemary's Baby and the Stepford Wives <laughs> so I definitely I, see it I see more Stepford Wives than Rosemary's Baby yeah Ro- this Get Out feels much more like a straight reboot of Stepford Wives than than anything out of. I think I think that the 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 the, re, the similarities with the Stepford Wives and Rosemary's Baby as a and and Get Out is that the dominating villain characters are white male patriarchy figures and I mean that's yeah that that is how that. That is how all of that relates together. So uh, this is actually. On, I got, oh, I got one more thing. If Brian Forbes is here, what would you do? What would you say to him? What would you say to that 86 year old man who's also know. dead? You know, no, I don't know what I would say to him. No, I'm just I'm trying to start the storyline where you are. You have beef with Brian Forbes. I will never think about him enough to have beef with him. <laughs> nah, man, you got beef with him. And so do we. <laughs> Whoever you fight, I fight. <laughs> um, yeah, this is actually my first time watching this movie. I think I thought I had seen it before, but to be quite honest, I think the only thing I had seen was clips of it. Um, I knew the plot of the movie, so nothing in here really catches me by surprise. <clears throat> but I was definitely interested in in actually, you know, seeing the movie itself. Um, 
So my experience with it is that this is essentially my first time watching it. Have you seen this movie before? Uh, no, I actually have seen the Stepford Wives before. My only experience with this movie was Bravo's top like 100 scariest movie moments or whatever. Yes, that's which the I same think, with me. I think that's the same for everyone. And <laughs> the only other experience I have is like just knowing this movie exists because of the Matthew Broderick, Nicole Kidman remake in 2004. <laughs> which I've also never seen. And uh, But I don't think it's i I think they go in a different direction and i definitely don't think it's as much of a straightforward horror movie as this is all right i guess we can just go ahead and get into the movie then so our main character's name that is such a 1970s like soap opera name (laughs) it's funny right enough right away when i started watching this movie it like it it's just from the very first frame this movie starts in a way where like i thought i missed a scene 100 <laughs> percent. i was like the, the way it starts because like the the way the film starts it's the everharts are moving out of their uh apartment out in new york but mm-hmm. it like cuts to her eyeball so you're like what and yeah it, like, cuts to this empty apartment and they're like going through shit and i'm just like um did i miss something yeah the similarity between this and rosemary's baby is that we're mainly following around a female protagonist uh she is married and her husband is just inherently someone who we're not really who i don't really trust from the very beginning that i see him like he seems like he's over like everything yeah it's funny enough i've seen this actor before this actor is actually one of the doctors that gaslights uh, Chris McNeil in The Exorcist. He's really? like, the, yeah, like he he plays the doctor who actually tells Chris McNeil that, uh, you know, do you believe in exorcism? And, you know, the Catholics think that they can deal with this and all that kind of stuff. So that's where I knew him from. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen this, this uh, Catherine Ross in anything. I don't believe uh- yeah, honestly, I don't. I, there's a lot of names that I don't recognize. Yeah, everyone else is everyone else in this movie is someone I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, regardless, uh, so they move out of the out of New York City. Uh, it's kind. It, it, what makes it similar to Rosemary's Baby is also is that you know it starts in an apartment in New York City. Except in this one, instead of the couple moving in, they're actually going to be moving out. Um, you figure right away that Joanna is someone who is, uh, I guess she's a photographer. Uh, she makes a pretty decent living and her life doesn't completely revolve around her husband. Um, she doesn't seem like she wants to move to the suburbs uh, of Stepford, which I guess is somewhere in upstate New York in this movie. It's some sort of upstate New York suburb. Um, uh, Fairfield County in Connecticut. Oh, it's in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, and then the, the actual suburb they live in is Stepford. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, yeah, they're they're out of the city. They've moved into the suburbs. And you can right away tell that Joanna does not really like the fact that they're here. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really just, it's really just Walter who, you know, who acts like he cares about any of this. It's, it's so weird. So it's really bizarre because over the span of the first 20 minutes, they and Joanna points it out. He makes several major life decisions without even consulting her. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if that's just the Walter thing or if that's how 1970s Wasp America was. <laughs> but I he, do. I do think like, this was. I do think this is probably like in some ways how it was back then. Uh, it's just so weird watching it with modern eyes. It's like no man who is married that I know, including myself, could get away with the bullshit that this guy gets away with. (laughs) He straight up takes a new job without telling his wife and then tells her that they're going to, pretty much suggests they're going to move after he's already put a down payment on a house. Yeah, that is absolutely nuts. Like, do you not share a bank? I mean, well, I guess back then, you could you don't get instant alerts back then yeah you're not instantly looking at your bank account every week it's like it's kind of like my parents right you had to go through a checkbook and you had to like actually make a note of all the (laughs) of all the things that you've like done 
mm-hmm. you know, or all the things that you purchase. So I guess you wouldn't know right away, but still, yeah, it's, just... it, it's 1975. It's not like your wife is getting alerts to how much <laughs> ungodly money you're spending at, you know, Wiener Schnitzel <laughs> drive No, it just totally is funny because, like, a little bit of a personal tangent. Like, I remember once my daughter and I, like, just randomly in the afternoon went to, like, this, uh, the sports shop near my house right mm-hmm. and i was just like well you know like i'm here why don't i get myself like a jersey like i haven't bought a jersey a football jersey in a long time <laughs> I, I you know what i deserve it this is angel's <laughs> time well it's not like my wife would have minded anyway right but it's just like yep. it's just something i don't commonly do so the moment that i yeah. bought myself this jersey bought a hat bought a couple other things my wife immediately calls me and says, uh, these things were purchased on our account. And I was like, yeah, I was going to tell you when you got home, but really I just bought this because, you know, I wanted to buy it right now. <laughs> you were like impulse buy, my bad love. <laughs> well, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's just like, it's so bizarre to me to see a character that buys a goddamn house like from mm. under his wife's like nose <laughs> and you know what's really bizarre well joanna gets mad because she brings it up like very clearly she brings it up but um aside from that she's just like oh i'm so mad oh well <laughs> like she just kind of like like just gently accepts it after she she has that initial reaction of just being super pissed and justifiably so right mm-hmm and it's like as they as they start moving in and getting settled in in in, the, in Stepford and 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 in Fairfield County, like apparently on the outside this looks like a picture perfect place. Like everyone has two car garage, everyone has like like pristinely kept lawns, nice houses. Like this is quote unquote the American dream neighborhood. I think it's awesome that the movie will posit that the movie is set up this way only because look, let's be clear. This is the American dream or this is like the good old days. If you were likely part of a white family, a white suburban family, right? Like it's just, it, it, it I know that now they're talking about how in, in current eras, like suburbs are becoming more integrated, right? Because people who are now, ultra rich are living in big cities as opposed to that's not really how it used to be so there's a lot more suburban diversity right um but this is absolutely there's absolutely no diversity in this it's it i think the fact that it's everything is so picture perfect on the outside is perfect because literally what the movie's telling you is for the white male patriarchy this is absolutely what we want to go back to what we remember how we loved it. Cause this is 75, like the women's liberation movement has already kicked off. Uh, the civil rights movement was a decade before along with that came, you know, the, the black women's suffrage uh, struggle and, you know, the passing of the civil rights voting act and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this is a time when, you know, our main character is a modern woman. I And I don't think she's dissimilar from what we saw from Rosemary, right? Rosemary was a modern woman, except everyone around her wants to sit her down like if she's a child and naive. Mm-hmm. And even though she is a bit naive in the beginning of that movie, it makes sense. And eventually she comes around to educating herself on what's happening around her. It is only one, until... It is only until Rosemary commits the witchcraft act of reading where she <laughs> empowers herself to take on her captors. Well, the, well, what I like about Joanna is that Joanna is an intelligent person, period. You know, she knows what she, and not that anyone else, you know, who doesn't choose to live the way like, she does, isn't, right? Yeah. But she's right away, you see someone who you identify with because she sees that everything around here is bullshit, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like because like you said, in, in 1975, this is around the time that it's the last bastion of like that single the the single income households, right? Because we're gonna see in the 1980s is that especially in the, going into the 80s, where it's gonna be a two income households and the and and women start entering the workforce more. Um, in this situation, it's she's very much that kind of person. So she is she is the antithesis of 
these Stepford Wives for, you know, not to give away, you know, oh my God, I used the name of the movie in my, in my explanation. But um, because, you know, as, as she meets more characters, we find out that a lot of them really pride themselves on being homemakers and just having a life where they are subservient, you know? Yes. I, the, my favorite character besides Joanna in this as well is also is, is uh, Bobby Marco, who mm-hmm. is her becomes her best friend <laughs> you know throughout the throughout the the movie and it's so funny because it just starts off as like a, a friendship of convenience right like mm-hmm. you're just both women who don't really want to be there who are just kind of trying to fit in because their husbands were the ones that really wanted to move to Stepford mm-hmm. and uh, they find like common ground in that and they're both like you know and Bobby's also the same thing like she's not going to be the one who's doting around her husband and and you know cleaning the house at every moment mm-hmm. um but then we do get a character like carol van sant who is that person she is the i guess the prototypical of what the of what the 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 ideal wife is supposed to be in this in this world right because we see her in that she's always doing work she's always talking about providing something making food or like whether it's homemaking for or, and and cooking for her family uh, or even, you know, like I mentioned earlier about her sub- being subservient, we get that weird scene where, like, Joanna sees her get felt up by her husband, like, while she's doing yard work. Yes. <laughs> like, she, like, like Carol's just there. And then I, I guess later on, I think it's later on where um, Joanna and what's, what's her name, her friend's name again? Bobby? Uh, Bobby. Yeah, where they like walk in on, they walk in on them while they're having sex upstairs, and like Carol's just like, mo- like giving these porn moans where she's just talking about how great her husband is and how he's the king and shit like this. It's like super bizarre and super creepifying. Yeah, and you know, let's get into the theme of this movie. Really, the main theme of this movie is that we are in a town where men get the fantasy that they've always wanted. And that is a woman that exists for nothing else than to cook for you, clean for you, take care of the children. So they're out of your way. And ultimately you get to use them as a sex toy. (laughs) And uh, it's pretty, it's, I get why the remake of this movie was, was much more of a comedic bent because it is one of those things that's kind of funny. Right. But then once you get into how they are in essence let's get in let's spoil it how these robot women are replacing the women that you know that have originally arrived in stepford is pretty shocking Mm -hmm. um we meet the character of diz pretty early and the reason why they call him diz is he apparently was an animatronics expert in disneyland uh Mm, decades before Let's and... talk about that. Let's talk about the men's association meeting at their house. Because <laughs> that is a very uncomfortable scene. <laughs> even though nothing creepy happens, even though nothing's, nothing's inherently scary about that scene, it's super, like, it's I, I felt uncomfortable watching it the entire time. Well, because much like Rosemary's Baby, we know that our protagonist is in danger, Right. Like, we know that things are going to go bad and things are going to end in an awful way. But our character just doesn't realize it yet. And because this movie is kind of trapped in the time that it is, you're almost annoyed that the character doesn't, doesn't like, kind of catch on to what's going on, like, sooner than she does. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, it's... The other thing that this really does is it, much like Rosemary's Baby, captures what's frightening about the invasive nature of neighbors right like it's like there's all these people that live around you and it's cool to live around with a bunch of people like i live in a condominium complex it's cool to live around other people and you maybe wave at them every once in a while have small talk whatever right Mm -hmm. but there is something frightening about all these people all of a sudden coming into your house and i guess objectifying her pretty plainly at the same time um and it's yeah of course it is something that's that's frightening to to look at because 
Diz, not Diz, but someone else is there drawing her. Yeah. Um, they set the women up to record their voices. Like, mm-hmm. it's so clearly something sinister. And mm-hmm. you can tell that it took Walter at least a little bit of convincing mm-hmm. because there's the one night where he's like drinking by the fireplace and he's crying and he's telling Joanna that he loves her. Yeah. But much like the character of Guy in Rosemary's Baby, it's you don't believe it, right? Like if you really care about a woman in your life or your wife, you do not set them up for what they get set up for. Yeah, the men's association is just filled with these like weird diabolical dudes. Disney, Diz made me feel super uncomfortable. The guy that was drawing uh, Joanna made me feel super uncomfortable. The guy that was just watching her as she was like, preparing drinks for the guys and he's like oh i love seeing a woman do domestic work like i was just like ew like this is this is gross old wasp like power fantasies and it's just like it's just so like like you were saying it it just raises so many red flags watching it with like a modern lens where you're just like joanna run run And you know what it what it really reminds me of? Since we already talked about how much Jordan Peele used this as um, as as uh, inspiration for Get Out, it reminds me of the scene where Chris is um, where he where he's at that party. So where when he's at the party and then people are like sizing him up and like trying to get to know him and stuff. It's like yeah, they're asking him questions and they went, want to get to know him, but there's always that sense of dread where they're doing it with a super ulterior motive. Yes. Yes, and I really, really want to talk about that more. And and I've already spoken about it off mic, but I really want us to do Get Out next week just because we watched this movie. Like I, like I didn't, I like Get Out. I did not, <laughs> yeah. Like I did not realize how how inspired by this movie Get Out was. And really, for all when I saw Stepford Wives last night, yeah, you know, I finished watching the movie last night, and the first thing I thought was. There's some stuff in this movie that's really good. There's some stuff in this movie that's really scary and creepy. And Get Out I, just does it better. <laughs> Get Out just does it better. And 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 well, before, what I was gonna say before that was this movie would really benefit from a remake that maybe you added some seriousness to it. But then I started thinking we already have Get Out, and Get Out yeah. is so good at like taking these you know because at it the took time all the this... themes and all like the 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 narrative devices this film did and just repur- repackage them and use them in a different way right so yeah. i love that i love that this that that the idea of like these replicants um robot people replacing us or pod movies like i like that this subgenre of horror film like that, that, that has to do with people getting replaced and ultimately like, you know, by doppelgangers is, is something that like, it's, it's cool. It's a cool subgenre for me. Oh, totally. But anyway, we, yeah. So, so really this movie's not that dense. No. Right? Like I, I'll run through the, I'll run through the plot of it pretty quickly here. Uh, Joanna uh, befriends Bobby. You know, we talk about how they, they bond over how creepy the men's association is. We go through the men's association meetings where they're drawing Joanna, recording her. Um, Bobby and Joanna are really the only people that are that are kind of catching on to what's going on here. Uh, the main, the only other person who's really, uh, I guess, kind of in it with them is Carol, right? Or, or no, is it Carol or Charmaine? Charmaine, the, Charmaine, her, she was the uh, tennis playing right. uh, trophy wife. The yes. one she, she's the <laughs> one that tells the super sad story that her husband only made because he was a TV exec and he only married her because of her looks because it made him look better among all the uh, other TV execs for me with someone that was like as uh, as good looking as she was. And she like talks about how she was so bitter about it. Not bitter, I'm sorry. Like that's bad phrasing. She was very um she was hurt, but she kind of accepted it because like any all her needs were taken care of. But she was like it, it just hurt that she was with someone that only wanted her for status, not because of, you know, they they actually cared about her. And it, that then that was at the at the women's liberation meeting that they had. 
Right. And I do like, I, I like that they kind of have this conversation where even Joanna and Bobby have a conversation later on uh, where Joanna kind of talks about a guy who she was in love with because Bobby after a while starts to suspect that maybe the drinking water is what's changing the women mm-hmm. because the person that we, the first person that we see this transformation happen and happen to is Charmaine, right? Mm-hmm. The first time we see her, she's at the tennis court. She and Joanna play a lot of tennis. They have their conversations. They have the women's like meeting. Um, and then shortly after that, when, when, uh, Joanna and Bobby are starting to kind of get why is this the fact that some weird stuff is happening in this town because in the women's meeting all the other women are just talking of like their their only conversation is how to get the house to look cleaner how to be you know even more perfect for their husbands and stuff like that Um, we get that weird barbecue thrown by the men's association where I think it was Carol Van Zandt is the one that like starts repeating herself over and over and over by the pool <laughs> then Ends again up... that that scene done in uh, get out as well done very well <laughs> yeah uh she has to get taken away by her husband and it's kind of like you know th- she comes back the next day and apologizes to joanna and bobby about her behavior saying that it was alcoholism and <laughs> yeah so when they are t- starting to assume that the water is what's changing people that's when they go to uh that's when they see the tennis court being taken down at charmaine's house mm-hmm. and when when they go inside to talk to charmaine by the time they get in there her clothes has changed completely she looks like you know something out of 1950s black and white sitcoms or uh you know lucy oball lucille ball or you know someone from the dick van dyke show like it's just it's it's this domesticated 50s housewife Mm -hmm. um and everything that kind of made her and and i really like the symbolism of them taking down the tennis court because what is it why are they taking down the tennis court well her husband always wanted a pool well now that a robot came and murdered her and is taking her place now you're gonna be able to have a pool in the backyard the one question that this movie really doesn't answer and I'm curious about myself is do do any of the men in this town have daughters and if so like are they totally fine with the fact that if their daughters marry men in this town that their daughters will also be like murdered and replaced by robots like I just that's the one part of this that doesn't make any sense to me and they never yeah, it's like what do they do do they up. Do they ship their daughters out of the town so they they never have to go through this? That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about <laughs> as a, as a as a person who has a daughter. I can never not think about that. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But whatever. Um, so the only person that they can get to examine the water in Stepford is this guy who Joanna had a relationship with. Oh, we talking guy. about down bad Randy. Yeah, down bad Randy took his, took her virginity. They were basically in love with each other. And she kind of <laughs> talks about how, you know, they would have gotten married at some point in their lives. And my, my favorite God knows gag, why they set apart. My favorite gag is Joanna talking to Bobby. And, she, and Joanna's like, what do you want me to do, huh? Do you want me to just call this guy who, who took my virginity back when I was like in high school? Just call him out of the blue after nine years and just tell him, hey, can you help me out? And then just smash cuts to them in Randy's <laughs> office. Yeah. I'm like, that was really well done. <laughs> but yeah, we, we get that scene where Randy, where he where he starts talking to him about how the water's perfectly normal and there's nothing to do it. Nothing, nothing weird about it he tries to get a little bit more out of uh joanna and uh bobby to try to find out what exactly they're looking for because he doesn't unless he knows what they think is going on he there's nothing can really tell them that would be out of the ordinary Mm. um but he doesn't allow them to leave his office without you know without without quietly hitting on uh joanna on her way out (laughs) yeah because they have the conversation of them being married uh, he asks Joanna if she's been married. She says yes, has kids, do, does all that. He does the same thing. Or he says he's also happily married. However, of course, when he has to no- show her the notes 
What was it that he wrote? He goes, I'm not, a- we're not actually happily married. Or something <laughs> yeah, we're not happily med- married either. Yeah. <laughs> and he, so he's just implying how he still wants to shoot his shot. And I'm just like, no, Randy, no, <laughs> you're in Spain without the S. <laughs> right. So they, so, so right away we find out that it's not the water after we leave mm-hmm. down bad Randy's office. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Quick non sequitur. If anyone's listening to this, please go down to Down Bad Patrol on Twitter or Down Bad Dudes. (laughs) And pretty much it's one of the most hilarious like Twitter accounts where it's just guys shooting their shot and getting hilariously shot down by other people. (laughs) Like, I hate laughing at it because, like, I understand people are so, like, some people really like feel bad about it, but some of them are comedy gold. I I shit you not. Yeah, so that's where that's where this guy got his nickname from. While yeah, we were pretty much. This movie. Thanks to Twitter. Um, so so um, I guess a day or two later, uh, Bobby mentions to uh, you know to Joanna that she and her husband are gonna go away for a weekend. It's their anniversary. Uh, they're gonna go uh, book a hotel and all that stuff. Um, and you you forget earlier in the movie that Charmaine really what brought about her change was she and her husband actually end up going away for some sort of romantic getaway and then all of a sudden you know when Charmaine is back she is like completely different um you right away as the audience member know that when Bobby leaves that by the time she gets back she's gonna be a Stepford wife (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um we get the scenes in between this of uh you know them watching Bobby's kids uh, along with their kids, and you get a few scenes of Walter playing with the kids, and you know uh, Joanna's like continuing her photography. She's like getting some shots together to try to put into either some sort of exhibit or sell to a magazine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and another thing that like I I only really paid attention to this because there's a YouTube channel called The Take. And in there, they had a discussion on get on Get Out and the Stepford Wives together. They they basically mm-hmm. put these movies together. And one thing that they brought up that I never thought about is the fact that both the character of Chris and Get Out and the character of Joanna and Stepford Wives are photographers. Oh yeah, I never really put that together. <laughs> never, I never put that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I didn't even think about her being a photographer until we saw her in her like little you know dark room in the house. Uh, and trying it's crazy. to trying to get the pictures uh you know going and and that's the thing it's like the more she fights it the more walter kind of starts siding with the men's association because like you know in the beginning of the film at least he faint like he showed some sort of guilt he certainly he showed some sort of remorse and for the most part he's still trying like you can say he like as much of a shitty person as he is he at least makes the attempt to um to kind of be there and try to support joanna and stuff but it's like for some reason once he sees that he that she actually has a opportunity to kind of like succeed and do something for herself that isn't tied to him that's kind of where he like flips the switch and he immediately turns on her as far as everything because at this point uh, Joanna says that she wants to get she wants to move she wants to leave she wants to leave the Stepford neighborhood and she wants to go somewhere where they can have a fresh start and even Walter even says that yeah he's okay with it like he goes we'll move um, he goes we'll, we'll move so, we'll move in June or something so that the kids can get situated and good to go before school starts and you're like oh crap like maybe he's actually turning a leaf but then it's like once she I shows, never did I never did. When he talked about moving in June, I knew that he was only saying that to placate her because mm-hmm. he knew that by then she was going to get replaced by a robot. <laughs> oh, good point. Could have been that too. But yeah, you know, I, like- I really get the feeling from this guy that this is guy from Rosemary's Baby. He, mm-hmm. in his mind, he thinks that he's not that bad of a person. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching it as an observer, this guy is absolute garbage. Like he thinks he loves his wife because he has guilt about the fact that he's going to get her killed, (laughs) but he really doesn't because if he did, he would have moved out of Stepford right away. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's staying there in the men's association. Um, he's like, you know, he's fully ready for Joanna to be replaced and take on another personality because there's just, there's nothing about the relationship that they have together that feels like they even care about each other. Tom bad Randy cared more about her. In some ways. Yes. Like even like they, they never even talk about sex. Like at least in Rosemary's baby, Rosemary and guy like have sex that first night when they move in before the rape. So it's like, you know, that they actually have some sort of physical intimacy with each other before guy completely you know becomes a garbage fire mm-hmm. um this guy is like it feels like a garbage fire a lot quicker and a lot you know and a lot less interested in his wife than even guy was in rosemary <laughs> mm-hmm. and and what he's doing is is in some ways it's just as bad if or if not worse because guy wasn't planning on killing rosemary <laughs> He thought that he was selling his wife, like his, he thought he was selling his first child to Satan and that he and his wife could end up having another kid, like to the point where he has an insulting line at the end of the movie where he says, why don't you pretend you have a miscarriage? And it's like, ugh, disgusting. But, but what this guy is doing is actually killing his wife and replacing her with, <laughs> with a robot. Mm-hmm. So, well, as you know, I'm a glass half full person. <laughs> and I would like to believe that Walter isn't a complete total piece of shit, but who knows? But I still noticed that is that his entire demeanor to her did change once she did show that she had something outside of him. Mm-hmm. And once like once she had that opportunity, like with like and someone showed interest in her art and her and her photography, he was like, Oh fuck this. You are so getting robot fied now. <laughs> You are yeah, so getting so, robotified. So when she talks to Walter and like demands that they move out, he says, "Well, all right, we'll do it, but first you have to go see a psychiatrist." <laughs> which, which You're I just hysterical. Like, go to see your psychiatrist, woman. I fucking swear, I saw this movie and I was like, "If there's one thing that men have, it's the audacity." <laughs> <laughs> because he makes her go to see a psychiatrist thankfully thankfully he is uh he god bless you walter because he actually l- lets her pick the psychiatrist of her choice yeah it's and, not like uh it's not like rosemary's baby where it's like all controls taken from her right and the, but the thing is like this is this is kind of a desperate part of the movie right because at least when she's when joanna's with bobby you feel that they can both protect each other, which is mm-hmm. one thing that Rosemary never had. You never felt like the character of Rosemary was protected except the one night at her party where all her friends were there. Yep. And this one, and once you do remove Bobby and she becomes a robot, even though she doesn't fully know that yet, mm-hmm. Bobby has already been, has already been stiffer, stifferfied. <laughs> um, and so now Joanna is really alone and the scene that she has with the psychiatrist is the only moment where you kind of feel like she's with someone who can understand her and even though the psychiatrist is kind of letting her know hey you know I'm gonna have to go away for a while we can't have another session until I get back and she panics because she does she knows that she's not going to survive long enough for the psychiatrist to come back and psychiatrist straight up tell her go home right now grab your kids leave and uh get in touch with me once you've left and and i get back next week and we can get together and this is what kicks off the climax of the movie where joanna ends up going home looking for her kids and her kids are gone Um, we never see where the kids are from here on out honestly i for most of this movie i forget they have kids (laughs) <laughs> like the kids are so in the background that like when she was talking about trying to get her kids i was like oh shit they did have kids i forgot <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's like i don't know if the kids are dead too or what but because i mean this really just feels like a town where it's absolutely nothing else than these balding ugly ass men to do whatever they want <laughs> and kind of a, a metaphor for this country for much of the last 50 years is it's all well much since its existence this country's been all about ugly ass old white men like doing whatever they want <laughs> Ooh, angel coming for the heads of old white people <laughs> um oh my god all right so you know that's when i think what 
Is this where she knocks Walter out and then goes running to Bobby's house to yes, her kids? With a fucking yeah. fire poker. And it's pretty brutal. I thought she like gouged his eye out when she hit. She fucking molly wops him with that. She's like, bow, bow. And then after that, so she takes off running because uh, she remembered how Charmaine left her kids with someone else before she was Stepfordized. And so she thought her kids were going to be over with uh, Bobby. And as she runs over to try to get help, she actually even tells Bobby about her, um, her, her. What was it called? Her new opportunity with the with the photography, right? But Bobby is completely different than the Bobby we saw earlier in the film. She does not like acknowledge anything really that Joanna says. That she only cares about again the same stuff: the cooking and the cleaning and the taking care of her family. And then we get that like awesome scene where joanna is like trying to tell her about real things and how she's really scared and she ends up cutting herself she ends up grabbing a knife cutting her finger and she says to bobby um you know i bleed don't you like trying to tell her like i'm human remember you being human and she i forgot what exactly the exchange was where um I think it's like uh, Bobby just tells Joanna, hey, look at your hand. And then, um, oh, well, look at your hand. Let's take care of that. And then she goes, look at you. And just ends up stabbing Bobby a little bit lower than the stomach, I guess you could say, in the vagina. Like, she ends up stabbing her in the crotch. And you're just like, whoa, that was unexpected. And then Bobby just calm, cool, and collected, ends up pulling out the knife, no blood. And just starts going haywire, like dropping, you know, saying that, oh, well, let's make you a cup of coffee. And she just immediately starts dropping coffee cups and starts dropping uh, uh, coffee, like grinds all over the place. And I can imagine if you're a 1975 audience sitting in the movie theaters watching this film, you are shitting your pants. This is the creepiest scene for me. And I watched it like late at night last night. it was very creepy to watch uh you know just uh how could you do this joanna i can't believe you did this and just like continuing to move around like and do the same like movements over and over again it's 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 funny like it's a total gag and it's funny but then there's also a part of it that is pretty frightening much like the stuff in get out oh no it's the whole realization that her friend is no longer her friend anymore and it's the realization that one, she's alone and two, because it's the gravity of the situations finally setting in for Joanna, like, holy shit, this is what they're doing to these women. And most importantly, holy shit, I'm next. And also, uh, but yeah, I laugh just because uh, whenever, when she says, oh, oh yeah, look what you, how, how could you have done this? It reminds me of that video of the British guy that got punched in the face. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, so uh, I think I think after that is where uh, Joanna uh, ends up rushing back home, and that's where she grabs the fire poker and just beats Walter with it. Yeah, but once she actually escapes the house, uh, she ends up going straight to the men's association because that's where Walter tells Joanna that their kids are. Mm -hmm. And when she gets in the building, she hears the sound of her kids coming from a room. And once she gets into the room that her kids were supposedly in, that's where you find out that what she's watching is a tape recorder. Uh, what she was looking for was a tape recorder, and it's Diz that's in the room, and he locks her in completely. Oh, my God. <laughs> and even though he is now explaining what their grand plot is, it feels like it's too late in the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you got the impression from the kind of, like, quick nature in which we're going through the plot of this movie but i'm just not thoroughly impressed with how this goes outside of the one scene of stepford wives that ends up on that bravo top 100 movie moments Mm -hmm. uh there's nothing else in this movie that's really super interesting like i feel like we're trying to make it interesting because we're talking about it for a podcast but i really don't care for this movie that much and we're gonna be completely honest by the time they start talking about their one by the time they start talking about their plot you as an audience member have already been like 
you already figured out the plot a long time ago and you're like yeah no yeah you're replacing the women this isn't like no one's really surprised anymore you pieces of shit but right yeah, like, and, and 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 because the thing is rosemary's baby does this too it builds up all the way to the end of the movie and the end of the movie is where it finally tells you what has happened and what it's about even though you already know that rosemary's child has been sold to the to the cult right that lives in their building but because that movie is made so well because mm-hmm. the writing the cinematography and the acting it's so top tier you are engaged in the movie for the entire time the dream sequences are really good like everything is just high level universal like this movie was meant to win an oscar like it, it has that high high quality Kind of like when we talk about Parasite, right? Like yeah. Rosemary's Baby is a movie that's of that high tier, mm-hmm. you know, um, and this movie isn't. Like this movie feels like an afterthought. It feels like it was made by some sort of indie theater. It feels like something I'd see on Mystery Science Theater. Oh, totally. <laughs> like it's... even the like the transfer of it like looks grainy and like a TV movie. So you know, yeah, we find out that what's happening is the robots are killing the women Stafford and they're like replacing them with their families. And mm-hmm. it's it, even though it's really good in theory, uh, it's probably really good in Ira Levin's novel if I read it and I haven't read it at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should, but it's just, I just, it, there's nothing to hold your attention. Uh, Diz chases her throughout the men's association and ultimately Joanna opens a door that looks like her bedroom and inside of that door is the robot that has her face. They've given her bigger boobs and all that stuff. Like, you know, they've turned her into the no, perfect woman stop. for Walter. No, that's <laughs> terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> they've turned her into the perfect woman for Walter. And the one thing that you notice is that her eyes are all black. And I don't know if the movie implies that you have to kill the original like person to take their soul <laughs> and have your eyes get colored in, it's or so if it's weird. just, yeah. or if it's I, just more simple in that uh, Diz is gonna fill in her eyes after. It could be that. Like, I don't think this movie's that deep. Where it's trying to say <laughs> you gotta kill your, you gotta kill your doppelganger and to like you know reclaim your identity. <laughs> I don't think this movie's really that deep. I just really think that Diz hadn't finished the uh hadn't finished the the eyes yet. But yeah, she ends up killing Joanna with the with the nylon stockings, and then the film ends with you know Stepford Joanna at the store looking, you know, dressed to the nines, the same with every other Stepford wife. Right. She has a plain odd conversation with Stepford Bobby. And all around them are the other robot women. <laughs> and that's yeah. that's it. That is the movie. So yeah, it's, um, it's like a two-hour movie or so, but honestly, like feels like the, there is a lot of filler in this film. Like it feels like there's a lot of shit that they didn't really need to put in. And it took me three times to finish this movie. Like I started <laughs> watching it. I I saw part I saw the first part of it one night. I saw the middle part of it another night, and I watched the end of it last night. It was, <laughs> I did not care for this movie. So it, it, if was, it was hard to trudge through it. I mean, it felt like we were trudging through a movie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, this, it, it was giving me New Year's Evil vibes <laughs> while I was watching it. Though it's maybe not as bad as, as, as New Year's Evil was. It was boring. Mm-hmm. At least New Year's Evil was, like, at least the ending was stupid enough that yeah, I was like, all right, I can get into this, but. Much like that movie, in the middle, I just, I couldn't get into it at all. And you know what's weird is I think we've, I feel like we were spoiled because we've already, because this movie came out so long ago, and because this movie is on everyone's list for that one that one scene between Joanna and Bobby, like, and because that scene had already been spoiled for us, it feels like we were just trudging to get to that one scene and we can pop for it and then we can go about our lives yeah and and the and the movie leading up to that scene was so boring that by the time you got there it just lost all impact like i would have been better off watching the clip in a youtube video than i would have like leading up to that scene and also at the end which i can't wait for us to talk about it next week we've already seen this movie done way better oh totally like that (laughs) that's what makes it hard is like the more i like the more i got into this movie i'm like 
get out did this better like get out is just this but you know you change the uh the intersectional issue you know <laughs> like, yes and i felt like uh jordan peele like jordan, jordan peele was smart he took a lot of the stuff that worked in this film and he workshopped it in a way that uh, to tell the story in an original way so i can't wait to talk about it now like the Honestly, I'm just happy now. Now we're going to talk about the good version, which, spoiler alert, we really like. So we're going to talk about Get Out next week. Yeah, so clearly we haven't done the official do we like this movie, but neither of us liked it. Like, yeah, it's just, spoiler, there's just no also way spoiler alert. <laughs> but we anyway, this movie. It sucks. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for joining us for this episode. Um, and I hope you guys can continue going with us as we're doing horror films and should we announce what's coming up next month? Because I am definitely excited well. to talk about it. All right. So yeah, starting in starting in February, uh, well, I guess the second, our second week of February, um, we are going to be doing the Karate Kid franchise, which is reviewing Karate Kid 1 through 3. We are going to review the next karate kid starring hillary swank <laughs> and we are going to do uh the 2010 remake of karate kid with Jaden smith <laughs> we're doing the good the bad and the ugly baby <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end we are gonna do uh a review of the cobra kai series on netflix uh which we were following since it was the youtube limited series so I'm very excited that we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks. After, so after Get Out, it's going to be all Karate Kid for the next month and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope you guys are ready. It's fucking all Karate Kid all the time. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. And remember, Brian Forbes sucks. <laughs> <laughs>